0: Hello, my little sugar cubes. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. If
1: you're not you want to do, let's
0: do. Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. My name is Teresa Sedeno. I'm a personal trainer and I'm helping bridge the gap between mental health and fitness. Since I had Professor Jeff Kreil as a guest star, I thought it would be fun and educational for him to dispel common myths about exercise and weight loss. Now, if you haven't listened to episode 20 and 21, you haven't met Jeff Kreil yet. So let me introduce him real quick. Professor Kreil teaches exercise science at Moorpark College and is a veteran personal trainer, so he's more than qualified to answer these questions. Now, without further ado, let the bonus episode begin. So this is just a few questions since we have your expertise here and because you're the greatest of all time, of course. All right. Do you're it. ready. The imaginary timer is going. Nice. All right. So question number one, should women lift lower weights and do higher repetition than men?
1: I would say women and men should lift very much the same way. Uh, women can train for muscular endurance. Women can train for strength. Women can train for power. And uh, it all depends on what the woman's trying to accomplish. The idea that a woman shouldn't lift weights or should lift lighter weights to make their muscles, whatever people say, or maybe they're concerned about looking like a guy. Ladies, I have good news. There is not enough testosterone in your body to make you look like a guy unless you're doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing pharmaceutically. So ultimately, though, um, I have I, one of the greatest things that I've seen is I've had women, older women, who came in a, with the background of don't lift weights because it's going to make you bulky. And then when they start lifting weights with me, now they're getting stronger, and now they feel better about how strong they are, and they actually love how strong they are. And then they go, look at my bicep. I've had clients come to me, Jeff, I noticed I have a bicep, and they're showing me their tricep, and they're like, look at my calves. My calves look so good. And I'm like, wait, wait, I thought you didn't want to have muscle. And they're like, okay, I like it now. Forget it. <laughs> so it's And it's funny, because in the 80s, you know, women wore these shoulder pads in their blouses and jackets. Why? To make their shoulders look bigger. So... They wanted oh, to have bigger shoulders to make their waist look smaller. So why not just, I don't know, you know, it would look kind of weird if you had shoulder pads while wearing a tank top. So why not just have actual deltoids to make your upper body look bigger and your waist look smaller if that's what you're trying to do. But women, strong, that's attractive. That gains, shows confidence. And, uh, I mean, it's, it shows a lot, of, a lot of power. I think it's amazing. I think women should train in very much the same way you guys would.
0: Oh, absolutely. You just walking around like a boss. I can attest to that. All right. Question myth uh, number two, I can reduce fat in one area.
1: All right. So this is the concept of what's termed spot reducing. And uh, it's actually funny because Arnold Schwarzenegger in his uh, encyclopedia, he even throws a caveat. And he says, I notice that when um, I'm dieting for a show, that when I do more ab work, my abs show more. And, of course, most readers would go, oh, okay, so doing ab work. And he even says, I know science doesn't support it. I'm paraphrasing. But he actually even acknowledges that no scientist agrees that that works, but he's Arnold, so it must be true. But fact of the matter is, if you pause for a second and go, what is is Arnold doing while he's getting ready for a show? He's cutting calories. So he could do zero ab work, and his abs are going to show. So bottom line is, training one area In hopes to get rid of the fat in that area is simply not evidence there's no evidence to support that and i i kind of throw out a i think it's a funny little quip and i've been using it for years but if that were true true if chewing chewing over and over again would cause you to lose fat on your face then we'd have some really weird looking people right we'd have people who have really skinny faces but really overweight bodies but we know that's not true. So using the muscle in your, mouths, you know, in your mouth to chew does not suddenly cause the fat to go away. So yeah, it's not true. As a matter of fact, how fast you lose it, genetics, your lifestyle, where you lose it first or last, well, if you're unhappy with that, you can write an ill-tempered letter to your family because that's going to be genetic too.
0: There you go. All right. Uh, up next is, you will burn more fat if you work out in an empty stomach.
1: Ah, that's a great one. As a percentage, the answer is yes. So you will actually burn a little bit more fat on an empty stomach percentage-wise. But as far as overall calorie burn, you're not going to burn nearly as much. So really what it comes down to, people get oftentimes kind of lost in the weeds uh, about, should I do, you know, uh, like, for example, like cardio before I lift weights or weights before I do cardio and should I work at an empty stomach? And, uh, you know, what's the best kind of cardio, running or walking? And really, so much of it comes down to two different things. How much you burn, which is really what it comes down to when it comes to eat less, move more, the first law of thermodynamics, and the percentage of calories that I burn from fat. Here's what I tell people. Bottom line is, if you are going to be working out on an empty stomach and your workout is going to be less than like about 60 minutes to 70 minutes, it's probably going to be fine. If you plan on working out at a really high intensity, like you plan on really working hard, interval work, strength-based work, things like that, you do not want to work on an empty stomach because it's actually that lower glucose in your muscles, glycogen, is actually going to cause a decrease in performance. Well, if you can't do as much, then you can't burn as much. So I've had some clients that say, well, if I work out early mornings, I can't eat because it makes me sick. And I say, okay, well then, you know, let's try and find modified ways, like maybe some chocolate milk or maybe like just a little bite of something. Or we just have to back the intensity down until your body gets used to doing more early morning workouts. But the empty stomach is not a magical elixir to losing weight, just simply isn't.
0: Speaking of uh, magical formulas, is there a specific window that you're supposed to eat protein to get maximum like muscle growth?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously it requires that you're Giving yourself the right environment for protein to even do that job, so you have to be able to lift weights. So um, really, the timing of the protein. There's so much evidence on uh, the type of protein, the timing of protein, and the quantity of protein. So I'll, I'll just simplify it. Following a workout, you want to have a little bit more carbs than protein afterwards. And so um, you know, there. So really, what I tell people is maybe about like two two grams of carbs to one gram of protein upwards to about three and a half grams of carbs to one gram of protein. And uh, really that should be like right after the workout. And then of course have more protein throughout the day. So, and there are lots of calculations and stuff that you can do for that to figure out your protein needs. But ultimately what you have to be careful of is having too much protein after the workout. In order for the protein to do its job, the amino acids to be able to cause resynthesis repair, in order for the protein to do its job, you need energy to do that. So if you have the carbohydrates, which is the simplest form of energy, then the body says, oh good, I have the energy, oh and I have the raw materials, the protein, now I can use the energy to do the work with the materials. But if I don't have enough of the energy and I just bring in the raw materials, and some, some drinks, like post-workout things, are way too much protein relative to carbs. And so what happens is your body says, oh well, I don't have very much energy, but I have all this, the raw materials. What it does is it says I'll take the protein, I can actually convert it into energy and then whatever's left over, I'll use that protein for resynthesis. Well, the problem is you just use expensive protein to create an an anabolic environment or a growth environment. The problem is it's also not very efficient. The best way to do it would be have a little bit of carbs and a little bit of protein so that way the carbs can give the energy and the protein can do its job of, of growing. And so, if you just take in protein, like there are some, some drinks, look in the profile in the back of the label, some drinks are good for snacks. Like there are some, I'm like, hey man, that's lower in carb, high in protein, but also high in fat. And, I, and if they're high in fat, they usually taste pretty good. Uh, but I wouldn't have that after a workout. I wouldn't have that before a workout. I'd have that maybe as like a late night snack instead of an Oreo cookie. But not all foods are built equally to serve that purpose. So, more, more carbs than protein. And, of course, how much really is going to depend on your weight, your gender, your activity level, and how many calories you're consuming in a day. A lot of factors there.
0: All right. What about that you should eat breakfast in order to start your metabolism?
1: All right. So, um, well, break fast. Obviously, that's the term, right? The idea of the morning meal is to break your fast from the evening. Uh, not everybody responds the same way to eating early in the morning or first thing in the morning. Like for me, I breakfast is important. If I don't eat breakfast, then get out of my way because I'm going to be an angry, angry person. Um, But for some people, they they seem to operate just fine. So what I will tell people is that just keep in mind that you are in a state of fasting. So you basically didn't eat. Your body is going to be using sugar, albeit at a slower amount, but using sugar over the course of your eight to nine, maybe if you're lucky, 10 hours of sleep. And so think about how your body would feel during the day if you took an eight hour break from eating. You'd probably be pretty hungry, right? Start to slow down your systems. You probably don't feel like you can think all that well. And so it can be a good way to kind of, yeah, I guess jumpstart is a good way to put it. But not everybody needs that. Now, sometimes there was, I will say some, sometimes people will swap out eating with just having something with caffeine to kind of like simulate that, like punch in the arm to get you going during the day. I personally would prefer that people would use food as a means to kind of get get them ready for their day. But as far as like jump-starting metabolism, I mean, once you start moving, metabolism starts going at a higher rate versus sleeping. But um, as far as making the world a less cranky place, um, just be mindful about, about not skipping meals. I think oftentimes most people don't work well under those situations.
0: All right. So then uh, moving like 12 hours later, if you eat too late at night... It'll cause you to gain weight. Oh, I love this one.
1: OK, so um, I will say that your body has no clue what time it is. Now, it, it does have an idea of what's called circadian rhythm. So these sort of ebbs and flows in our day. So, you know, for example, even during summer, I just naturally wake up around like 530 or six and I have to kind of force myself to stay in bed because during the normal school year, I'm usually up by four. So with that being said, our bodies are going to be working under a 24 hour clock. So if I am, you know, my body's used to going to bed at like 10 o'clock and I choose to eat at nine o'clock, well, there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that other than perhaps maybe the foods I choose. Maybe my body doesn't work well if I ate certain types of foods, let's say spicy foods or things with uh, like caffeine in them, Uh, then my body may not respond well and get in a good night's sleep. Um, For example, some individuals, when they eat too much food, even foods they tolerate well, they can't lie down after that because it makes them feel sick. So, but here's what I will say when it comes to you know, what time of day and all that kind of stuff. I used to work, work um, a you know, third shift at some, when I worked at Disneyland a thousand years ago. And so that meant like I had a 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift. Well, that completely messed up my entire world. I'd do that for about two weeks at a time. And, but I had to eat because I was awake. I wasn't used to being awake at one in the morning because I was usually asleep by then. But when I worked these shifts, I had to eat. So, but I never gained weight during that time. Ultimately, what we really should be asking is when you're choosing foods to consume later in the evening, when you are typically less active, when you're about to ramp down your evening to go to sleep, are you choosing foods that put you in a calorie surplus? Are they foods that are going to cause you to eat more calories than you should have during the day? Are they foods that maybe, because I know you've talked about in some, one of your podcasts about emotional eating or dysfunctional eating habits. Are you choosing things that maybe you're not hungry, but you just kind of are craving something sweet? Well, then oftentimes we associate that with the time of day when really it's just the food choice, whether it's early in the morning or the evening. So then ask yourself the question, am I really hungry at this time? Could I just drink some water and kind of curb that maybe carbohydrate feel? You talked about that in one of your podcast about carbohydrates, you know, bring in about, you know, a certain number of grams of water, like, that's a big part of it too. So I'm not usually that concerned about that. I tell people, if you're starving and like uncomfortably hungry, then have a snack later in the evening. But if the foods or the things that you're choosing are causing you to gain weight because you're in a surplus now, then what you should do is plan throughout the day. So trim down a little bit of your breakfast, plan down, trim down a little bit of your snack or your lunch to accommodate for, hey, I know I'm going to have that whatever, that Oreo cookie under the pillow. <laughs> I already ate that one. This one's behind the couch.
0: (laughs) All right. What about the idea that you need to detox your body with juice cleanse?
1: So here's what I will say. As a person who I'm a scientist, this is what I do. But I'm also a Christian. I'm pretty sure we were perfectly designed to use food to naturally do all the stuff for us. So our liver is a detoxifier. Fiber in foods naturally cleans out our system. Water does the same thing. So that's why we have the liver and the kidneys and we have the colon and all these things that happen. Exercise is a great way to help our digestive systems to get more regular. I I just haven't seen enough scientific support to say we should be, you know, mixing in a cayenne pepper with lemon juice so we clean out our bodies. Um, although there's a very good episode of The Office where Kelly does that and she looks awful. It's hysterical. Uh, they're doing a weight loss uh, competition. But um no, I think that it's appropriately selecting foods, foods that have uh, you know fiber in them, foods that are um, have uh, roughage. Um, so we're talking about you know uh, you know like vegetables and fruits and whole grains, things that our body can actually use to help eliminate the bacteria in our in our colon, things like that. That's how we get rid of stuff. And um, and you know there is, of course, some of the ways to know if your poo is healthy because it's it's a funny conversation, but actually a really important one uh you can actually look up what's called the bristol stool scale and it'll tell you there are like i think it's seven different uh you know, options are how you poo should look and really what it should look like and what's going on if it looks like any of those things and it's pretty enlightening and so yes that does mean that you can't just flush and run uh you need to take a look around and see what uh what you just manufactured there because it does tell you a lot about your health mm-hmm.
0: all right moving on from food The idea that metabolism
1: decreases with age. Okay, as I get older, this is actually true as much as I don't want to believe it. Um, Yes, so so for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, just like an aging car, the systems don't operate nearly as effectively. Um, And so things like uh, muscle mass is going to start to naturally decline. And that's going to be for two reasons. So that's going to be, of course, just this normal progression of aging. Also, lifestyle too. You know, when I was yeah, I was in college. I didn't have a care in the world. I was working full time, but I was in college too, going to school full time, and, and pretty much in my spare time, I was at the gym. And so, I had I was lifting weights for two to three hours a day because I had no place to be. You know, it's all good. My friends were all there with me, so it was great. That was just social time. I just don't have that time anymore. You know, three kids, a mortgage, two dogs, and a smoking hot wife. I just got stuff to do, and it's not being at the gym for three hours. I'm happy if I go to the gym for an hour and get a good workout for an hour because it's just, I have responsibilities now. And so, lifestyle also is going to dictate that you can't, you're not going to be able to hold on to the muscle like you did when you were in your 20s or even your 30s. And um, so, you couple the lifestyle limitations with the natural progression of age related muscle loss. Now it doesn't mean that oh, that you can't work your butt off to try to stave some of that off and kind of to, like mitigate some of that atrophy, as it's called, the muscle, the loss of muscle. But it's still inevitability; it's just going to happen. I mean, even the amazing Jack LaLanne I mean, did not look like he did when he was in his, you know, in the 50s. I mean, he was just a beast. And then you know, I got a chance to meet him at a fitness conference years ago before he passed away, and he still looked amazing. Do not get me wrong. I was still like, you were the man, you know, but, um, you he, he didn't look the same. And I have a very close friend of mine who was, who was a professional bodybuilder and he jokes and says, you know, his wife says that he, he's a uh, half the man that she, she used to know <laughs> because he's not the same size as he was when he did bodybuilding. It's just a natural progression of life, but it doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean we go quietly in the night. You know, we just gotta, if you, we, if we're willing to try and put forth the work, then then you can try to mitigate that as much as possible
0: there you go fantastic that concludes our our not so lightning round (laughs) lightning round
1: of questions it's a slow-mo lightning (laughs)
0: all right well thank you so much for listening to another episode of the fitness manifest podcast i'm your host coach Teresa sedeno let me know on instagram who else i should invite and until next time Go to meet some new people. I'll be here if you need me. Okay, bye. To not to not to Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration.